0: four as we delve into this morning's message here. And uh, uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's a great thought. I hope it'll be a great help to you. And right before we get into it, let me do left off one announcement here. Um, we do need some nursery help for the week of missions conference. And so um, I encourage you ladies, if you can help sign up, I encourage you to do so and as we um, delve into the week of missions conference. We do need some help each night for the m- nurseries. And so there's a sign up on the back table. So if you would, please stop by There afterwards and help us out. All right. uh, This morning's message uh, is entitled uh, The Tempter's Tactics of Temptations. The Tempter's Tactics of Temptations. Matthew chapter 4, we have Christ's Temptation. Um, Any of us that have ever played any kind of strategy game, maybe like risk and, and so forth, some of our, our students down on the other end of the academy, they have an ongoing risk game, and, and risk, or even for those of us who are intellectually challenged, checkers, uh, or chess, if we have played any kind of these strategy games, the reality is this, we, we all have come to this, that it's just like in war or in battle, there is an advantage of knowing the tactics of our enemy, our opponent. If we're playing someone, it's great to know what they're trying to do. And and uh, I popped in the, the room down on the other end this week, and one of the young men was trying to explain his tactics on the map of risk and what he was going to conquer and everything else. Can I tell you, when you're playing a game like that in a battle or a war, and, and that is certainly more serious, an enemy, boy, you'd love to know their tactics. You want to know where they're going to attack, how they're going to attack, what they're going to use in an attack. One of the, the keys of ISIS and their ability to strike fear and and really trepidation in hearts is that we don't know where they're going to head it can be just about anywhere and so they have tried to make that a reality and yet the the fact is it is a great advantage when we do know because it gives us a fighting chance we can defeat them we can withstand their attacks Can I tell you, as I look over this whole assembly of people, as there's some in the overflow room, the reality is that you and I have a common enemy. He is known as the great tempter, that old dragon, Satan. We have a common enemy. He does not rest in his desire to throw temptations at each and every one of us. In fact, he salivates to see each of us fall into sin and bring disappointment to our Heavenly Father through our actions i go on to say that this daily his handiwork his authorship is found in our lives as we look back on this past week days and weeks and in hours and and and, excuse me days and hours and minutes his temptations are strewn throughout every one of them the devil he's attacked you and i but what is the nature of of these temptations. Well, what are his true tactics uh, behind these attacks that we call temptations? What is he trying to accomplish? Let us not forget this morning as we come face to face. And I mean this, I think this will be a very encouraging message to help us to understand, okay, wait a second. Sometimes we get misconstrued in our thinking. We get deceived because the devil is subtle. He is deceptive. He has multiple devices and plans as even the Bible lines out for us. Some of those devices are well known, they're obvious, while others we sometimes don't understand or see until we have actually fallen victim to them. So today, we want to look at what are what's the nature of the devil's temptations? What are his tactics that he's using in your life? In mind, I'm going to start this this morning with a question that you may have had before. You may have asked it, and you may be wondered, and maybe you certainly already know the answer. But this is a question that's been asked of me numerous times, and I think it bears us saying, okay, what is a biblical answer to this question? Because it then helps us to identify what are the nat- or what is the nature of temptation in every Christian's life. Here's the question: The question is this: Can the devil plant thoughts in our head? Does he bring something to our minds? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 4 with me, if you will. And I think it bears out an answer, at least an understanding of this truth. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We'll speak more of it, but verse 1 immediately tells us that temptations are part of God's plans. <laughs> that he allows them. That is the trying of our faith worketh patience and so forth. Now, now notice verse twelve, verse two. Excuse me. Speaking of Christ, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward an hungered. Hmm. He was hungry. Some of you may be hungry right now. Okay, but don't let it distract you. Verse three. And when the tempter came to him, that's the devil, obviously. He said, "If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread." But he answered and said, "It is not." It is written, excuse me, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now jump down to verse 9 with me. Verse 9, uh, there's another temptation there and uh, about calling down angels. But look at verse 9. He said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. He's just taken him on a high mountain, the kingdoms of the world he's shown him. So he says, fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou Serve. Now, I'll tell you, we need only look at this very first temptation through verse 4 to find, to some degree, the answer that has already been pre- uh, presented here. You see, notice the devil, verse 3, calls him, he's called the tempter, but he comes and he speaks to Christ. What does Christ do? Now, notice what he doesn't do. You know what Christ doesn't do? He, he doesn't come, the devil comes and hey listen, hey, let's turn these stones into bread. You're hungry. L- let's get l- boy, let's provide ourselves some food and sustenance. So uh, what doesn't Christ do? What we don't read is he doing what maybe some children might do. No 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 I'm not listening to you. I- I'm not listening. You- you're not gonna No no no. That's not what Christ does. Sometimes we as Christians think that if I don't say to the devil, No, 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 then boy, that's immediately that temptation, even And even hearing the temptation is sin. But I'll tell you, the scriptures don't teach that. Teachers don't teach that. That's not what Christ does. I want you to see something this morning. I think it's a a, a tremendous truth. Jesus literally has to think on what the devil said. He has to consider it. How else could he answer in like manner? The devil says, hey, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responds with, wait a minute, man shall not live by bread alone. So you know what it tells us? That immediately Jesus Christ thought about what the Satan had said. He had to contemplate. He had to think, okay, Satan said this, and that's a temptation. Well, wait a second. God's word says, and then he rebukes Satan. Because as that temptation came. And later on, it's about worship. It shows, now listen, don't miss it. It shows that Jesus' thoughts were influenced by the devil. He was tempted in this way, but he did not give in to the temptation. He did not entertain the thought, taking it into action or meditation on committing it. The same thing happened in the latter verses. When the devil speaks of worship me, bow down and worship me, Christ thinks he It enters his mind in the sense, wait a minute, that's not truth. That's not right. The Bible says, thou shalt only worship the Lord thy God. So his thinking. So however you want to say it happened, and we can split hairs, and we can say, well, the the devil can't put a thought in your mind. But I'll tell you, the devil will bring things up to influence your thoughts. He'll work overtime to get you to think on things. Right. Can I tell you, many of us have past, have things in our past that boy, we don't want to think about. The devil will bring those things to mind. He will influence them. So however you want to describe it happening, the devil influenced the very thoughts of Jesus Christ. Now I'll tell you, as you sit there and I stand here this morning, I sure do know that I'm not anywhere near to be like Jesus Christ or better than He like i want to be and my friend if we think for a moment well boy just boy having a temptation that just make must make me wicked we're going to see this morning that's honestly quite the opposite because if you're a christian <laughs> you have a bullseye on your back every single one of us Notice it, the temptation was brought to the mind of Christ through the devil's effort, but Christ thwarted that temptation with the word of God, giving us a grand and wonderful example of how to fight the temptations of the devil. So understanding this basis, this foundation, that certainly, at the very least, we must say that the devil influences our thoughts. he will bring things up. He'll throw it. If you want to say semantics, oh, he plants it, he doesn't plant it. Let's not worry about that. Let's just understand the devil's going to influence our thoughts. That's that temptation he brings. So understanding that, let's look at what he's trying to do with these things. First of all, may we see that and understand this morning that to expect temptations to be less or non-existent when we are saved is exactly part of the tempter's tactics. He wants you and I to think that once we get saved, all the temptations are going to stop. And it's quite the opposite. The promise of the Christian life is now that you and I, through Jesus Christ, do not have to yield to temptation. It is not a promise that there won't be temptations. We just have the power and the strength through Jesus Christ not to yield. Sin has been defeated on the cross of Calvary. And so now I don't have to yield. I don't have to give in. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. To believe that the Christian life is going to be free from temptation... Or to have uh, very limited temptation is to think similar to what the Israelites did when they were on the the cusp of the promised land. They were on the threshold. You know what those Israelites were? They came, they sent the 12 spies in, the 12 spies come back, and the 10 were like, "Uh uh-oh, there's people in there. The Canaanites are in there. All, All these, in fact, it takes it much greater than that. As if it wasn't bad enough in their minds and hearts. There were people in the promised land. Wait a minute. There's Canaanites there? We just don't get to walk in and just, just take it? No, there's Canaanites. And worse than that, you know how they described it? There are great cities, cities walled up into heaven. Now, how would you like to have to conquer a city like that? Walls up to heaven. So here they are. And man, what happened because of that? Now listen. They became utterly discouraged just at the existence that there's canaanites and great cities and walled cities in there and i'll tell you some of us this morning we get so discouraged simply because we face temptations and it ought not to surprise us it flows with what the Christian life is described at. Now, listen, listen carefully. Get this this morning, the Christian, because too many of us we fall into discouragement, and the devil loves discouragement because it's an open door to fall into sin. Notice it. We put it this way and encourage ourselves: don't be, or don't give in to being discouraged over temptation being present in your life. Honestly, it shows that you and I are human if there is temptation. And if there is a lot of temptation in our life to battle each and every day, then, my friend, it very likely shows. Now, listen, it very likely shows that you're a child of God, that you're a believer. You say, how do you say that, Pastor? Well, listen, how does the Bible, God himself, describe the Christian life in the New Testament? Well can I tell you? Let's let's look. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse four, he says this, for the weapons of our what's the word? Warfare. Warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Very simply, we're at war. He goes on, Ephesians chapter 6, a long passage, but 11, put on the whole armor of God. Can I tell you, you and I both know that we only need armor when we're going into a fight. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the attacks of the devil. For we wrestle not against, and that's a a, a, a physical, hard wrestling idea. For we wrestle and fighting, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And I love what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy was a young minister, a preacher. He was a young Christian. And growing and paul looks to him he says listen timothy this charge i communicate unto thee son timothy according to the prophecies which went before of on thee notice it that thou by them mightest war a good warfare hmm. and he goes on in the next verse verse 19 to describe what a good warfare is holding faith in a good conscience suffice it to say believer you and I are daily at war. It must not surprise us when the enemy lobs attacks on us. He's throwing temptation and influencing our thoughts and trying to get us to fall and trip us up and throwing obstacles in our life. It ought not to surprise us. And yet sometimes, some days when the temptations flood, when the thoughts he's trying to influence one after another, we become discouraged. We're like the Israelites on the cusp of the promised land. Wow, there's giants there. There's walled cities that are walled up to heaven. There's great nations. We can't go in there. We become discouraged. Can I tell you, we are in a continual battle. The Bible says that you and I are now seated because we're saved, we're His. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus spiritually. So therefore, our enemies, as Ephesians chapter 6 describes, our enemies are not physical, but spiritual. The devil and his henchmen, the devil and his devils, their power and their skill are far superior than anything we have encountered before. And this is the simple truth. Don't miss it, Christian. The reality is that when we are saved, when we are walking with the Lord, the temptations in life are going to measurably increase. What is the devil's war? What's his battle plan? Well, it's to get you and I to fall, to falter, to fail. It's to get you and I to to, to not please God and not to live holy and pure. And so how is he going to do that? To throw as many temptations at you. And his goal may not be initially to get you to fall. His goal may simply be to get you to be discouraged. Things in life. Things not going the way you want. He wants to get you discouraged. So that discouragement, as we'll see, often opens the door to falling into sin. I think there's great truth. I hope you don't miss it here this morning. You see... Temptations will not decrease if we are, are increasing. Now get this. Temptations will not decrease if you and I are increasing in the likeness of Jesus Christ. If we're becoming more like Christ, and we're boy, we're in God's Word, and, and we see and identify areas in our life that we want to bring into conformity to Jesus Christ, we want to come into obedience to God and His Word, can I tell you, if we're doing that and we're increasing in the likeness of, of Jesus Christ temptations aren't going to decrease you've got the devil concerned you've got the devil worried that you may be doing and just about to do more good for the kingdom of heaven and boy the devil doesn't want that what happens when an enemy begins losing ground and territory he gets in more he becomes more desperate and he doesn't hold back anything We think of modern day as ISIS or other al-Qaeda and other groups that they've been forced out of areas and they've left territories. We have come to find out there have been mass graves and they're, they're, they're in their desperation. They do even more despicable acts and attacks on on maybe the innocent and the defenseless and we, we cringe at that. Hey, friend, believer, can I tell you when God gains ground in your life, it kind of stirs the devil. He'll throw trials and temptations at you like nothing. He's going to come after you. And he's going to try to influence your thoughts. And he's going to do exactly what he did to Jesus Christ. Spiritually. The increase of temptations ought not to cause us. Now listen. As temptations increase, it ought not to cause us to think that something is wrong. But rather, we're in the right place. The Israelites knew they were in the right place because of the nations and the Canaanites were there. Can I tell you the simple truth? Strong temptation is often a sign of great grace being present. God's doing a work through grace in our lives. And as he pours that grace out into our lives, the reality is the devil wants to stop it. And then furthermore, the Lord knows and allows that temptation. He allows the devil to come like he did with Job. He allows it because you are now spiritually ready. You've grown. You've matured. And so, in his strength, he knows, okay, now they can endure. The Bible speaks of enduring temptation. He knows that you can endure it now. This was borne out in the example of the Israelites. When the Israelites, don't miss, when the Israelites left Egypt, you know what happened? The closest and nearest path for them to head to the promised land was not the path they took. It was actually a path through the land of the Philistines. But God knew the Israelites, he knew their hearts, and he knew that their trust in him wasn't as strong as it should have been. They weren't as spiritually mature as they should have been. And you know what God did? He took them another way. Out from the pressure and the attacks of that nation. Notice it, Exodus chapter number 13 and verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the, uh, the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent. They change their minds. Like they did at the entrance to the promised land. Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Can I tell you that's exactly what the devil wants in your life? When you wake up and temptations come and a wrong thought enters your mind and the devil influences that, the devil wants you to give up. You know what we see sometimes in the world is somebody pulls the pillow and the blanket's back over their head. You know what? The devil wants you to do that spiritually. To not even spiritually get out of bed. (laughs) Oh, man, temptation's going to come. And boy, I'm going to be tempted to sin here and tempted for this wrong thought. And the devil's going to influence this. And oh, discouragement. Giving up. Aren't you thankful that our God, we, we heard the choir sing about it. He holds us in his hands. Do you know that, the, that God holds back the devil sometimes? He restrains him from bringing a temptation because he knows you and I are not spiritually ready for it. I don't know about you, but I sure do want to praise the Lord for that. That I'm not overtaken in that because I'm not spiritually strong and my God knows it and he, 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 he does what's best for me. All things work together for good from the hand of my God. You serve a great God. You know, it's interesting though, a little bit later on, the time came when they had learned to trust upon God to a greater degree. He allowed the attacks, the attacks, even in the wilderness, there are multiple enemies. And yet in the, in the wilderness, the Israelites faced those 40 years, they faced very few battles, very few attacks compared to what they faced in the promised land. As they came to the promised land, I mean, this was their land. This was the promised land. And, and boy, they were gods and God's people. And now he was their God and everything was supposed to be great. You know what they faced there? They faced no less than seven great nations and 31 kings and peoples. <laughs> that's crazy i mean they were gonna face they were after going to the promised land in battle after battle war after war i think it's amazing because we did not even did we even mention the giants <laughs> remember they said we looked like grasshoppers in their sight so the time came where this generation rose up and god said okay you're you're ready you can face the warfare and i sure am thankful that our god is sovereign that when temptations come, and oh friend, they will come, God has deemed you and I ready in his strength to resist the devil, to flee. Him fleeing from us. Notice it, and I want you to understand this truth. The Jews, the Israelites, could not have fought With the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Those nations that God had said a long time before, you're going to fight against them and you're going to conquer them. They could not have fought against them until they had gone into the land where the enemies were. So we conclude this fact, the very power of our temptations, dear friend, may just be one of the strongest proofs that you really are a Christian walking with the Lord. Why? Because the intensity of the warfare is peculiar to the life of a Christian that is trying to deny the flesh, resist the devil, and stay as far away from sin as he or she can. The intensity of the warfare, as God said, listen, friends, when you come to trust in me and you come to live a life that is pleasing to God, it is a war. It is warfare. It is a battle. And the intensity of the battle does not always indicate that you and I are falling into sin, but much the opposite, that you and I are striving to follow after God. And the enemy is concerned. You know what I know, and listen carefully, and I know this to be a fact, and many of you do too. When we enter into a week like missions conference as we are this week, can I tell you, we stir the devil. We stir the her- hornet's nest of the devil and his devils. Why? Because the devil doesn't want Faustoria Baptist Church to do much for missions. He wants you and I to eh, ho-hum. It's not that important. He wants us distracted. He wants us discouraged about other things. So be careful. You might find yourself in Rick Logo's book and page this week. That deer may hit you. <laughs> your furnace may stop working. Hot water heater. Your electricity may go out. Your car out in out here, <laughs> your car may not turn over. Today, Tomorrow, the next day, the devil may barrage you with all kinds of temptation. He may bring things back to mind from your past that you thought were well buried. We know what the devil's doing. We know his tactics. He's trying to stop you and I from being effective for our God. Hey, the intensity of the warfare is peculiar to the life of a Christian. When you and I live godly, we're literally begging for Satan's worst attacks, for constant temptations to sin and to fall. Will you agree with me this morning that we cannot, we must not conclude that because we face many temptations, we are not a Christian, or we are not a Christian who's walking with God as we should? Many times, temptations say just the opposite. Hey, notice this second link. We must come to understand for us to think that being tempted is sin is part of the the tempter's tactics. And can I tell you that Satan wants you and I to think that just because I'm tempted, boy, I'm sinning. He is the great tempter. And what is he as the great tempter? And listen, don't miss it. He is the great deceiver. Have you ever thought about what the devil wants you to think wrong about? Everything. Everything. He wants you to think wrong about God. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. God's given up on you. You haven't pleased God. God's disappointed in you. He wants you to think wrong about God. He wants you to think wrong about sin. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a big issue. Keep doing it. It's not hurting anybody. He wants you to think wrong about the world. Hey, friendship with the world's not that big of a deal. You can have one foot in the world and one foot in God's house and following Him. He wants you to think wrong about yourself. Hey, I'm a pretty good person. I'm okay. I can make it to heaven by myself. Hey, I'm doing all right. He doesn't want us to think right about anything. And we go on. What about other people? Hey, they're out to get you. You you know why they did that. They hate you. They're treating you wrong. He wants us to think wrong about other people. He wants us to think wrong about our own salvation. There's no way you could be be saved. Look at all the sin you do. No way God's going to let you into heaven. It's too simple. You can't can't just go to heaven by believing on Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to believe the truth. And then can I tell you about our future? Hey, there's no place like heaven. Hey, there's no place like hell. You'll not go to hell. It's not that big of a deal. Don't think about that. Satan does not want us to think about the truth of anything. He wants us to think wrong about everything. So think about it. And listen to me. When we come to temptations, when we're tempted, when he causes and influences a thought to come into our minds, notice this, he wants us to blame ourselves at even the suggestion of evil. Even though the moment it appears in our minds or thoughts, we abhor it and dismiss it. So don't miss this. Hey, Christian, don't miss this. He loves to see in a person that personal guilt build. He likes to see then in turn it produce great self-condemnation and terrific discouragement over just being tempted. There's some men in this room that right now that, that Satan has influenced you to think a wrong thought and he's tried to throw something in your mind about, and in your mind you're like, man, why did I even think about that? Why did that, why did that thought even come? And I'll tell you, the devil's after you. Every man in this room, the devil's after you to think impure thoughts. He'll use a magazine as you're checking out. He'll use something that pops up on, a, on an internet. He'll use a lady walking down the road. He'll try to get you to think impure and immoral thoughts. Why? Because we are at war. And so he'll throw anything and everything at you. In the moment, even if we don't give in to the temptation, you know what the devil says? How, how could you? How could you even think that? How could you even think? In reality, as soon as the pop are like, no, I'm not thinking about that. I'm turning the other way. I'm not going to entertain the thought. And boy, my goodness, the devil comes after us and says, look, 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 look what you did. And he loves it. He loves it when we enter into self-condemnation and we get ultimately greatly discouraged. And here, my friend, is a third truth of the tactics of our tempter. Discouragement, if continued in, always ends in the last action of actual sin. Man he wants to convince you and I we're no good worthless can't do anything failures can I tell you now don't miss this sin makes easy prey of a discouraged soul there's some here today you're you're discouraged maybe not over temptation but something in your life your home your marriage your job your family your future, your goals, not met. And you're discouraged. Your health, friendships. You're discouraged. And boy, does the devil love that. He sees it as an open battlefield, an advantage. Think of it in these terms. When, when he throws a temptation at us, he sits back Knowing that we have fallen into sin by the very fear and discouragement of having failed, <laughs> See, we think, oh man, I've already, look, I, even this temptation, I was that I was even tempted to do that. Boy, I must be a filthy, wicked sinner. and Boy, I'm, I'm just no good to God and God doesn't. Oh. And the Satan sits back and goes, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got him. I've got her. I'd like to put it this way. There is much unneeded distress that comes from the erroneous belief that temptation is sin. Because listen, bottom line, if temptation is sin, then Jesus Christ sinned. That's what the Scriptures say. He was tempted of the devil. So if temptation is sin, then Jesus Christ is a sinner and you and I ought to walk out of here. Because he could have not died for your sins and mine. But praise be to God, though he was tempted, he did not fall. And so my friend, you and I, we may be tempted, but praise be to God, we do not have to fall. We don't have to give in. We don't have to entertain. We don't have to meditate on those thoughts that the devil throws at me. Can I tell you, as we are exposed to the truth of God's Word, we understand God's purity and holiness, it seems that the very suggestion of wrong seems to be bring pollution even of itself. And my friend, that is a good thing. But in that moment, the devil can help us and discourage us to feel very far from God when such thoughts and suggestions confront us. Here is one of the enemies much used but little understood tactics. Don't miss this. Hey, the devil comes like he did with Jesus Christ, our Lord. He comes and he whispers suggestions of evil to us. Doubts, worry, blasphemes, jealousies, immoralities, envies, prideful thoughts, thinking evil of others. And then what happens? As he comes and he whispers this in our ears, he quickly turns around and becomes His other name, the great accuser of the brethren. You know what he does? He comes back to us. He goes, oh, hey, hey, look at yourself. Look at you, Christian. How wicked and sinful you are to think of these things. You are a failure. You're not worthy to be called a Christian. Such things would have never crossed your mind if you really lived for God. And then in turn. It sounds so legitimate. It sounds so... Yeah, I mean, if I was a Christian and following God, I, I wouldn't have thought these thoughts. I, I wouldn't have been tempted in this way. Hey, you as a Christian, praise God, are headed to heaven. But my friend, the flesh is still there. And the temptations will fly. And boy, the devil wants you and I to get discouraged. I mean, I, what kind of Christian? I'm no good. I, I'm good for nothing. I'm a failure. And you know what happens when, boy, discouragement comes. Oh, his tactics and temptation have worked. Because we start to believe him. We pass that great condemnation on ourselves. We get filled out with discouragement. And the door is opened wide for temptation then to become real sin. For what's the point of resisting now? We have already failed. We have wallowed in discouragement And then we put up little defense against the actual sin and fall into it easily. Now listen to me. I have much more and we'll get to it in future weeks. But you listen to me carefully as I bring this to a close. Some of us this morning are living in great discouragement. It may be this discouragement of temptation that that we think even because the temptation comes that I am no good. It may be another type of discouragement. Some other thing in your life that only you and God know. But let's be honest, this morning you are discouraged. And oh my friend, the tempter is going to use that. He's going to convince you that you can't fight. But I want to encourage you this morning that you and I are at war. In fact, we'll see in a couple of weeks here. You know, God says as we stand on the edge of the battlefield every day, He says this, be of, good, be of good courage. Be not afraid. I'll be with you. And you and I don't have to be discouraged. You and I don't have to think because we have temptations that, that I'm a wicked, horrible Christian. No, my friend, they honestly prove that you and I are a Christian. The intensity of the warfare is peculiar to the Christian life of fighting the flesh, resisting the devil, and fleeing the world. So let's find great strength and encouragement in God's word this morning. Let's understand the tactics of our tempter, and oh, my friend, let's go out this week and let's meet him on the battlefield. Let's fight for the Lord. And for His glory, Father, we thank you for Your Word, and Lord, I'm grateful for these truths. And Lord, what a what illumination they are, an enlightening truth to what we each face on a daily basis. And Father, I hate our enemy. I hate that old serpent. Father, but I understand that you have allowed him at times to bring temptation. And Father, as he does, and as he even did for Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that you would help us to fight him with the Word of God. Help us not to get discouraged because we face temptation, but help us to see that it is a great proof that, that we are yours and that the devil has us in his crosshairs. And, and Father, that yet that being true, that you have given us and promised us strength to endure every temptation. Oh, my Father, I pray that you'd be with the discouraged saint this morning. Lord, I don't know what discourages them. I don't know if it's the repetitive temptations that come or what. But Father, I pray there'd be no more ground given to the enemy this week. And as we embark in this missions conference, that Father, each one of us would have a heart and a life in which we experience daily victory in you. Though temptations will come, Father, may we be encouraged and confident as we stare them down and fight them like Christ did. Help us now this morning. Give us what we need. Go with us. And may we fight the battles for you this week. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. Piano begins to play.